Eric Whirl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead, Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and, and it's not yours. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the show, stop. Go, Go back, back to the beginning. Start the show from episode one, okay? We're Seriously. telling you now. But we insist. I, I like to say that Sarah insists, but I heavily encourage. And I have a band of listeners behind me. At all least two or three of, of them. them. I was gonna, oh, oh, ten. See? Okay, all right. Split the difference. Call it seven. Call it seven. <laughs> at least seven people at would least agree seven. with us. No, stop and go back and listen from the beginning. You want to you wanna come on this journey with us. You want to start and get to know us. You don't want to just pick up in the middle. It's mm, Don't do that. You really don't. You I really promise don't. you. Go back. Episode one. We'll see you in a little bit when you get back here. Okay? okay. In several Great. weeks or whatever. However long it takes you. I don't know. Maybe two days. I don't know your life. Yeah. And welcome, welcome back. back. You know, if you've been here before and, you know, you, you know have the now. You have now. You've been here before. You have now and you're like, wow, they are stuck. Still doing that. Yeah, because that's our intro. Every show has an intro spiel, and that's ours. It only okay? took us three years to get it ironed out and settled. Yeah, and, and now we're settled on it, and that's what we're doing. Who's to say it won't evolve again over time? Me. But who knows? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Stephanie's. No, I'm going to change that. To grow. <laughs> I'm going to change it. <laughs> After Sarah murders me, and there's a Netflix special about it. I will continue this podcast. I will continue this podcast from prison. <laughs> I'll carry a tape recorder in my butt, but yeah. and I'll and I'll get the tapes to Christina and, through and the Sarah's pipes. Not into butt stuff, so if she's willing I'm dedicated. to put to put something in her butt to make the show keep going, then you know what? Like the show must go on. I also assume by that point in time, technology will have evolved in such a way that it'll be so tiny. <laughs> I mean, science has created some some wild, real, crazy things like marvels in our time. And you know what? I'm there. Who I knows where like it'll there, go? There have to be audio recorders that that are like the size of a human finger or smaller. I would assume, right? Listen, do some googling for us. Find out. Find Sarah's suppository tape suppository recorder. Recorders. <laughs> That's what she needs when she gets to the prison. Yes. And it Which, has to be undetectable. This is also assuming obviously. that I'm going to kill you and not that you're not going to kill me, slash not that Christina's not going to kill one or both, one of, or us. both of us. Right. This is presuming you're the surviving member in prison. Got it. Noted. I'll shove it up my puss. I don't care. <laughs> not after it's been in That just butt. seems like that's the like first place like, they're going to look. That's fair. <laughs> How you doing? These are the conversations that we have. These are the conversations that we have. Sarah just got back from vacay. I did. Looking fresh. Ah, oh, thanks. I had to go back to work today, so it was just like, oof. Back so to reality. A little, they took oof, a little of there it There goes gravity. Oh, there uh, goes my mom's sanity. Spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. All day. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm pretty good. I know I told you this, but I will tell the listeners. I've officially been confirmed I will be back in the speakeasy. Bah, 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 bah. Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary this year. She Very got it again. exciting. And I'll be there a lot. I'll be there most of the time, if not. Like, Every night. If I'm not there, I have something going on somewhere else. And so I'll let you know about that. And 
my, I'm also not going to be there on my birthday or the day after my birthday. Yeah. So, so don't go on those days. Don't Otherwise, try and see me working on my birthday because I'm fucking not doing it. And my day job gives you PTO for your birthday. That's cute. Isn't that cute? That's really cute. Oh, very cute. Very excited. Oh, yay. Congratulations. And then Sarah's got a show coming up as well. I do have a show. So the show is again coming up the last two weekends in September, first weekend in October. Right now, the tickets can be found at the Philadelphia Fringe Arts website as part of the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. Uh, it's called The Secretaries, going up at Allen's Lane Art Center. And it's about a cult of murderous secretaries. What more could you want? It's a rip roaring good time. How about that? Insert chainsaw. Song. But we're coming up on uh, October, which means we're. This is the most exciting thing. We're recruiting our guest Toberfest. Guest Toberfest. Guest Toberfest. Guest Toberfest. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm so. Once we start saying it, I'm like, oh my god, it's coming. Maybe this will be the year that we actually talk Eric into making us one of those like. And like a whole bunch of different ones. I don't think we ever did either. I bet he would. I bet he would. I would love to find a way where it could we could just incorporate the different sounds on our like we're a fucking radio DJ. I know. Just with a board of buttons. I know. Where I could just be like yet. You're right. Yet. Yet. We're back in the studio. Um, but there's a few people that we've been talking to, and hopefully one of them is a good friend of mine and a listener of the show, our friend Greg Green. Greg, uh, you might remember Greg from the very early episodes, man. which if you went back and started from the beginning, like as you all should you have to. done, you'll know Greg's from the beginning. Hopefully we'll be able to swing him in for Guestoberfest, but Greg has actually recently released a book. It's so crazy. He's an author. He's an author now on the Amazon I'm. I mean, not. It's, I'm an author on the Amazon. Like, go to the Amazon and buy books. Buy my book. Buy Greg's book, though. Yeah, he has a new book. My book's been out for a while. You want Greg's? Greg's book is new. It's called The Rebel Planet by yes. Greg Green. Very exciting. So we're gonna give you a little. Here's what it's about. If you're synopsis. curious, synopsis. Yeah, and you should talk be, about Greg's book because it's good. Because Greg wrote it. A cast of characters go head-to-head in a war after the star of their capital system explodes. Will the rebels survive to defeat the Confederacy? What will become of their homeworld? And how do five impossible stones play into the story? Only Mel Sandoval and her ragtag team will find out as they set out on a quest to fight for what's right in a universe gone wrong. This space opera wrestles with the concept of a world in collapse. It deals with themes of environmentalism and transhumanism. It attempts to imagine a universe free from the restraints of our current concepts of personhood while taking you to the edge of a black hole and the floor of an alien ocean. The Rebel Planet by Greg Green. We should do more promos for other people. I mean, read Greg's book. Read Greg's book. But just in general. you have something to promo, I mean, it's good, but also it sounds so good because I like how we read it. It's exciting. We're good at like, hey, you should check this out. Well, it's kind of like we like hearing our own voices. It's kind of like we're professional performers. performers. (laughs) Kind of like we both have studied this at a higher level. A little bit. But check out Greg's book, y'all. Greg Go check Green, it out. It's on Amazon. Planet. It's on Amazon. Get it on the fucking on Kindle. The Kindle. You don't even have to like wait and get a copy. You can download it right now. Do it, bitch. Do it. You won't. 
don't know why I always feel like we always go right to we that. always take it a little too far. Like, I'm so sorry just, to just right over the line. It's just because we're nervous. We're, we're just nervous about our show. We're passionate people. Yeah, that too. We're passionate people who haven't been able to do their main form of art in a while, and so we've got all this pent up, pent up aggression, and and uh, excitement. <laughs> You understand. Sometimes, you, get it, you know, it. it gets, you know, sometimes it gets channeled into aggression because you just, you don't know where to put all that energy. But and yeah, why do y'all make us love you so hard? Why do you make me do this? <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry, baby. I We're didn't sorry. We're sorry, baby. We didn't um, you know how we thank get. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and supporting our show. And I can't wait to This have has been Dead Time Story. More, it sounds like the end. <laughs> more exciting things for you to, to watch us do. We do. We are 29. This episode is 29 episodes away from 200. 200. So hold on to your butts because things are happening. Might happen, all right. And by my, I mean, it will. I mean, somebody's going to be shitting. <sighs> have you watched? You said you haven't watched White Lotus. <laughs> I have not. Everybody watch White Lotus. Stephanie said. I did. I did say so. I love Jennifer Coolidge. We all know this. Oh, yes. Um, but there's a ton of great people on that show. Uh, Connie Brighton is on this show. Steve Zahn, who I don't know if you know. Huh. But I feel like he was in a lot of like 90s. Yes. Like weird comedies. But he's Connie Brighton's husband and he's delightful. And you're like, what a weird pairing. But good. But I like it. But yeah. It's a it's a good show about, you know, a, a very posh hotel in Hawaii and lots of drama going on there. And they're, oh my gosh, Murray Bartlett, is that his name? I'm going to double check because he's my favorite on the show. He's just delightfully Australian. And I've seen him, yes, Murray Bartlett. I've seen him in other stuff, but I've only ever seen him play Americans. And then hearing him with an Australian accent, I was like, wait a minute, is that guy actually Australian? And is I he? Him up and he is. He is Australian. Oh. And I was like, oh. Well, That's why it sounds so comfortable on so you. It's so comfortable, right. Um, but yeah, he's delightful. Welcome to the White Lotus. Uh, <laughs> oh, all a, right. He has a very enjoyable mustache as well. Anyway, you heard it, everybody. Um, it's a good show. Check it out, uh, HBO Max. But then you should also check out Sarah's show, The Secretaries, at <laughs> the end of September. Not on HBO and not Max. Not on HBO Max, just here in, in Philadelphia. In person. In person. And you should check me out at the Speakeasy as part of Halloween nights. At in person. In person. Vaccinated. So excited. With a mask on. Yes. Please be vaccinated. Yeah. Please. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? So I know we decided... No, Sierra, you don't understand because nobody was talking to you. So sorry, she interrupted. She She didn't even have anything good to say. She stay in her hole. And she doesn't. She pokes her head out. she doesn't. She needs to know her place. Um. We didn't talk about who was going first. Correct. I was going to say, we did say which story. What's we going were telling, second? But we didn't say which I don't one. know who's going third. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Home run. I'll go first. That's how that bit goes, right? Close. Go for it. You go first, Sarah. What I you, will because I, I got a ghost story. Yeah, you do. And I, even better than a ghost story, it's a listener ghost story. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, she did. I we haven't gotten one of these in a little bit of a hot minute. That's I've gotten good. some wonderful story suggestions from listeners. Um, a whole bunch of those, but I haven't gotten a personal story in a hot second. And even better, 
You might remember a few weeks ago, I mentioned that we got a new review from someone who gave us five stars and was very nice and said that we had good banter. And I did make the joke that I left the review, but jokes on y'all because I didn't. It was a real person. (laughs) And this email is from that real person who I will say in their first paragraph says, and I quote, I'm happy to say I have officially caught up and I'm sad that I no longer have the show to fill an entire eight-hour workday. Seems like a good excuse as any to, once again, in all caps, start from the beginning. Yes. Here's the thing that I love about that, right? Everyone's like, yeah, I started from the beginning and I love it. But then they get caught up and they're like, I don't I'm caught up. What do I do? And they just start started it over again. again. I kind of love that. Just start it over from the beginning. It's like a good show, like Arrested Development. Right. And it makes me feel good, right? Because I'm like, I think of the quality of, of a show that I like, that I'm like, I like this so much. I just finish it and I could do it all over again. And that people feel that way about our show makes me feel it. very, very good. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, I was like, are we calling this person by their real name or are they using an alias? They didn't ask to use an alias. I'm not going to use a last name. Okay. Even though I have it. (laughs) I fucking could. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is our listener named Kyle. So, Kyle, thank thank you you once again for your wonderful review. We appreciate you and thank you so much much. for your story. And I told you it was going to be showing up in an upcoming episode. And surprise, it's this soon. So, here it is. Thanks, Kyle. Um, so Kyle says that they wanted to reach out, submit a ghost story to the show for, ooh, spooky content. Love it. Now, while the story didn't happen to Kyle personally, it did happen to their dad in the mid-80s. Ready. A little bit of context. Before we jump into the story, my name is Kyle, not me. My name is Sarah. But I'm talking as though I'm I'm reading it. Sarah playing the part of Kyle. I'm playing the part of Kyle, uh, reading it in the first person, which is how this is written, so, you know. My name is Kyle, and I'm currently 31 years old and have lived in Northern Virginia my entire life. My mother and father both moved around a lot as children and as they were both part of military households. Despite this, however, they ended up going to the same high school here in Virginia. While they were never the best of friends in school, they both ran in the same circles, so they were familiar with one another. It wouldn't be until sometime after high school that my parents got together, and it's in this time frame that the story takes place. Unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2004. Otherwise, I would have a lot more of the smaller details related to the story. I've always had an interest in anything spooky, so he had told me this story numerous times throughout my childhood. My mom is also familiar, so she was able to help me fill in a lot of the gaps as well. But anyway, all caps, here's the story. Ready. Ready. 1986 to 87. My dad, George was renting a room in Virginia and would have been in his very early 20s at the time. The house he was living in was occupied by the owner of the house and one other renter in addition to my dad. Neither my mom or I could recall their names, so I'm going to go ahead and give them generic-ass white dude names for the sake of storytelling. We're going to call Kyle. Do it, Kyle. Kyle, son of George. We get it here. Kyle of George. As a Sarah and a Stephanie, we understand. (laughs) Their names are... The homeowner, we're going to call Steve. And the other renter, Bill. My dad used to tell me that at first he never felt anything off about the house, but soon things started happening that made it impossible to deny there was something strange going on. 
The first instance of anything occurring out of the ordinary was one day my dad was returning from work and came home to find every cabinet door in their kitchen wide open. Wide open. Why it was wide, wide open. open. Uh, wide, wide open, open with the contents of the cabinets stacked neatly upon the kitchen table. Weird. Weird. But I guess, like, were they cleaning? Maybe they didn't like the way it was organized. Maybe Who they were they? like, my mom. I'm helping you move. Here it is. Throw it in a box. Anytime my mom Get out. would visit, she would reorganize my whole fucking kitchen. And she would be like, your stuff was all in the wrong place. And I'd be like, mom, I live here. No, it's my, it's my place. place. It goes in, Please know? put it back. Rest in peace. <laughs> Kyle's like, it's crazy. My grandma. My mom did that when she was alive, let alone a ghost. Oh, my God. Could you imagine you come home tonight Gail! and all of your stuff is rearranged? <laughs> I can't. I'd be, oh, I'd be like, oh, my God, is my mom here? And you'd be like, mom. Like that with as many syllables as you can fit into yeah. a three-letter word. Yes. All the contents of the cabinet stacked neatly upon the kitchen table like a mom would do. Annoyed at Steve. I added that. I know. <laughs> I, th- I gathered. That I, was a Sarah aside. It was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Annoyed at Steve and Bill for seemingly abandoning a task mid-stride, he set about tidying up the kitchen after a full day's work. This would happen a few more times before he finally confronted his roommates, and both of them not only denied having moved everything, they each had similar stories of coming home and finding the kitchen in complete disarray. They're like, I'm not the one who left. You like, You're did the it. one who fucking left. I'm I not cleaned the up one who left you. it. Bill left God it. damn it. Bill's like, I didn't leave it. It was one big circle jerk. They were just like, you did it. You did it. Crazy story. The ghost Sorry name. they haunted your dad and his friends. Kyle. John. The ghost name is John? Yeah. How'd they gather that? I don't know. I just gave it a white dude name. You did or Kyle? I did. Oh, okay. That's all. They came home and would find the kitchen in complete disarray. I lost my spot. He actually told me that this particular occurrence would continue throughout his stay at the house and all the other events leading up to him finally moving out. Soon after it was addressed by the group, the strange activity within the house grew, which makes sense because I've heard that once you start paying attention to it, it manifests off that energy and then can grow a Especially if it's a poltergeist. I would say the double of like, it's like, yeah, yeah, you see me now, bitch. See me do this. And it's like when you buy a car and you're like, I don't see anybody driving this car. But once you buy that car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Sure. So you notice it more and more. It's kind of like that, too, where they're like, all right, now we've officially decided there's a poltergeist. Now that I fucking think about it, that's poltergeist activity. This weird shit that keeps happening. Now that I think about it, that's probably also the poltergeist. Yep. And the poltergeist is like, I love it. Pay attention to me. I live for the applause, applause, applause. applause. Is it a Knocks your shit over. Or is it a pixie? It's like, oh, clap for me. Clap for me. They, they got fucking Tinkerbell up in this house. Or I'll die. I'll die or I'll just fuck your shit up. Keep pulling all the shit out of your cabinets and stacking it. Stacking it weirdly. I'm going to put the skinny stuff on the bottom and the heavy stuff on top. <laughs> You're going to fucking hate it. You're going to hate it. Uh, one night, while my dad was asleep in his bed, he heard his bedroom door slowly creak open. In the light cast from the hallway, he could see a shadow move as if someone had just stepped into the room, and he heard the soft footfalls of someone trying to quietly sneak into the room. Since Bill was prone to pranks, he was not initially alarmed at all. 
and he assumed it was Bill, his roommate, sneaking in to prank him in the middle of the night. While I absolutely do not condone the next part of this story, please take into consideration that my father was from a military family, was an avid hunter, a responsible gun owner, and was a straight white male. Anyway. He brought out the motherfucking He brought guns. out his gun. I'ma shoot this ghost, bitch. I mean, ugh, who wouldn't if they had the opportunity? It was then that he felt the unmistakable impression made by someone sitting upon the edge of his bed. Continuing to pretend like he's asleep, my dad decides to turn the tables on this prankster and remembers the gun he kept holstered behind his headboard. He quietly grabs the gun from behind, as you do in Virginia. He quietly grabs the gun from behind the headboard and in one swift motion sits up in bed, aims the gun in the direction of the impression with a stern, gotcha! Looking down the barrel of the gun, he only saw an empty room an indentation at the foot of the bed as if someone should be sitting there. He said he had trouble getting back to sleep that night. And the ghost was like, ha ha, got, got you. Got you, bitch. Got you. What you pointing a gun at, George? Who you gonna shoot, George? Who you gonna shoot, George? Go back to sleep. Good fucking luck. George is like, my invisible butt in this bed. No, I just want to sleep. Why are you making this so troublesome? Another strange thing that would happen at the house is what you've referred to on the show as more of a residual haunting. The house had a pool in the backyard that was the scene of frequent ghostly pool parties. Often they would hear loud, raucous parties coming from the backyard, yet they would know for sure that no one would be in their backyard at that time. I believe my dad said they even had the cops call them called on them once because of their neighbors actually making a noise complaint because of how loud the fucking ghosts were. One of these nights, the guys were convinced that neighborhood teens were jumping the fence and partying in the pool, so they hatched a plan to catch them in the act. They purposefully left all the lights in the house off and waited until they could hear the party reach a roaring crescendo My dad said you could hear people laughing, music, drinks clinking, and even the diving board spring as people jumped into the pool. The plan was for Steve to turn on the floodlights from inside the house and exit through the slider onto the back deck. As soon as the floodlight came on, my dad and Bill were stationed on either side of the house and would also enter the backyard through the two fenced-off entrances on both sides. This would leave whoever was in the backyard with no exit and no choice but to own up to the parties. So the group sinks their watches. Yes, actually, apparently they synced their watches. That's cute. You kids remember what a watch really is? Hmm. And go to enact their plan. My dad takes his position on the outside of the fence and waits for the predetermined time. Meanwhile, hearing this raging party occurring just a few feet away from him. The time comes, the floodlight comes on, my dad enters the backyard as he hears his roommate storm into the backyard aside him, and then silence. The pool was like a sheet of glass, and the backyard was devoid of anyone. At this point, tensions are high in the house. Hmm. The occurrences are happening more frequently, and the group is openly discussing them with each other. One evening, they have a few friends over to play darts in the garage and drink, you know, guy stuff. They are good ways into playing when suddenly Bill's darts don't seem to want to stay in the board. It's like something would stop them just before they would make contact with the target, 
and the dart would clatter to the ground. Fed up with the entire situation, Bill grabs a handful of darts from the floor and stabs them all into the dart dart board while shouting his frustrations. He then turned on his heel and stormed out of the garage and into the house. But the group gasped as the darts removed themselves one by one from the dartboard and quickly shot across the room, embedding themselves into the concrete floor of the garage in the exact same footsteps Bill had taken moments before. Fuck that. Needless to say, my dad did not renew his lease and moved out of the house soon after that. Unfortunately, I have no way of finding out the exact location of the house, so I have no way of doing any kind of real fact-finding on this story, but my dad did say that the owner's mother had died in the house. However, he didn't find that out until after he had moved out. I know this story is a long one, but I hope you'll find it useful, and I'm sure I'll be writing again in the future if y'all are interested. My family has a few more spooky occurrences in the family tree to tell. Get it, so yeah i would love more spooky yeah, stories, more stories especially if they have to do with ghostly pool parties that Absolutely. you're apparently not invited to because as soon as you get there they're all out well, like i i imagine it's like toy story like they all just stop maybe moving. like you can't right like maybe you can't see the ghost if they're not moving oh like jurassic park like a dinosaur <laughs> like a dinosaur the ghosts are like don't move but the they people are the dinosaurs if we don't move. right yeah exactly but they open the gate and they're all just like <gasps> And just freeze. And if we could see it, they're all in wacky positions. Like one of them's doing a beer bong. Yes. One of them's doing a keg stand. I just want to see them all in the pool. Like, does the water move when they're in the pool? Or like... I don't know. I think it just sounds know. like it does. Right? You get all the I'm auditory. Curious, right. Because I'm like, you know, if ghosts are non-corporeal, if you can't touch them, yeah. right, if they go through stuff. What happens if they get into water? I don't know. I don't know. It's something I've never thought about until this moment. And I'm wow. now I'm like, I'm gonna We have a questions. Lot of time thinking about it. Oh man. It does yeah, I don't know. Gotta look it up. Well, Do you, ghosts Kyle. move in move water when they're in water? Real water. questions. Have you ever seen the video of the guy who's in space and people ask him all sorts of stuff like what does this do in space? And somebody asked him what happens if you wring out a washcloth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, Google it. It's fascinating. It's cool. There's no gravity. So he, like, tightens up the washcloth, but the water doesn't go anywhere. It just stays it's just where like, the washcloth okay. is. It's weird. It's cool. Check yeah. it out. It's cool. Thank you, But thank Kyle. you, Kyle. That was so nice. Thank you so much. And then you. I want to give another little plug because... Kyle owns a small metaphysical shop. Does like Where? macrame pendants. Yeah, in Northern Virginia, duh. And other Where crystal jewelry. I think it's mainly just on Instagram. Okay. So I'll also put it on our Instagram. But Kyle's Insta handle is the Gorgon's Knot. Okay. The G O R G O N S K N O T. And that's I buy some crystals. Kyle's stuff. So go check it out. Go give him a whole bunch of follows because he's part of our listener pack. Give him your money and give us your money. Give yeah. everybody your money. Give everybody your money. Except for Republicans. Um, people who already have a lot of money. Don't give your money to don't give your money to rich small, people. Is what I'm saying. You're so right. Shop small. Don't buy. Don't spend your money at you know corporate places. Nope. Shop small. Shop and then small. Shop when you go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. Only Walmart, though. We like Target. I know. We do like Target. We, we do. Give your money to Target but, if you know, you're going to go somewhere big. Mood, go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. 
still the people at Walmart can. don't even care. They don't. They're, they don't make enough money to no care. No one working at the Walmart. You, there's like three people there. Oof. Oh man. Anyways, thank you, Kyle. We appreciate you. Thank, thank, you, thank you for your story. Appreciate you, man. Uh, there's my ghost story for the week. I love listener ghost stories. So any other listeners, new listeners We're coming in, etc., please send them along. Send them our way. Uh, Stephanie. What are you talking about this week? Today, I'm talking about two of the most famous pioneers of spirit photography. Oh. William Hope and William Mumler. All right, let's it is, go. It let's is go. a field that is syphilitic with William. <laughs> syphilitic with Bills. Would you say there's billions of Williams? Oh, billions of Williams. <laughs> pretty good thank you i just made it up are there williams of billions williams of billions <laughs> maybe um so spirit photography dates back to the 19th century but it continues today with modern technology although there is somebody who would be like there's spirit photography isn't real and ghost photography is real yeah and i was like are you going to be specific with like what you yes what the spirit photography is, is spirit and photography, okay right so what is spirit photography, Sarah? You're asking me d- indirectly. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Well, let me start a little bit by telling you about the people who um, made good money as spirit photographers. The mini bills. About William Mumler and William Hope, who were not, they didn't know each other. They lived at different times. But they were two prolific men in the medium, prolific businessmen. Uh, so post-Civil War America, as you know, was heavy into spiritualism. We've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. This is also when they became, you know, fascinated with um, interring the dead because people were dying far away from home and they yeah. wanted to be able to, like, see their, you know, family that died on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line. So they would, like, embalm people. And then it was, like, a whole spectacle, too, to also come look at embalmed people. Yeah, because it was this whole new thing. And, yeah, it also gave family members to the ability to see their loved ones who had yes. died uh, in the middle of the summer in the South. Yes. So practical photography, uh, as we would more consider, like, real photography these days, was really introduced in 1839 with the dagger type. Um, and if you didn't know this before, you're you're you the listener are also going to just get some like photography history, right? Because that's very important to what these men did. Yeah, and I feel like it also. If you started from the beginning, you'll also remember we did a segment on postmortem photography, yes. which also started when they had the ability to bring the you know photography to the everyman. Yes. So one of the key things about early photography is exposure took a really long time. So we're used to taking a picture now. You push the button, you've got the picture. That's how long it takes to take a picture. Click a button. But you used to have to sit still for upwards of an hour or more to have your picture taken. Not to have a painting made of you, to have a photo- to have a photograph taken of you, right? Which is why the dead were really easy to photograph. That's why they were crystal clear. So that's why pictures of the dead are very clear, because they sat the fuck still. <laughs> if you didn't know, now you know. So with the dagger type, um, people were able to, like, get a camera. Like, a person could just buy a camera. Yeah. Right? For the first time literally ever in history. Right? Because now, like, they're they're everywhere. You've got them on your phone. You yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah, But the everyman couldn't get one in the beginning. Correct. And now they're like, you mean I could bring it into my home? Right? So 
as there always is with new media, with new art forms, however you want to put it, there's experimentation with the medium. And people found that um, because you, you know, because people had to sit still the whole time, if they didn't, you would get these like transparent figures because they would be sitting there and then they would leave and the exposure would still be going. So all the other stuff would be fully in the picture. But the person, if they moved, if they got up or whatever, they're going to be blurry. So people started to do that on purpose. <laughs> they were like, ooh, we can do ooh. this. Um, like, you know, not accidentally. Although mostly, you know, it started like all great things in art. It started as, as an, an accident. accident. In 1856, Sir David Brewster learned that he could do this on purpose, make these transparent figures by, like I said, having, you know, taking the picture of the room, having the person be in the picture for some time, and then having them leave. He's like, ooh, look what I could do. Right. Um, So he's the first person that uh, really was doing it on purpose, but people knew what he was doing. He was very open about it. He's like, look what I learned you could do. Um, He's like, I won't patent it. So anyway, try it. So the London Stereoscopic Company used this technique to create a series of images called the ghost in the stereoscope. Um, and this is when people people would go to like the people would go to the picture theater and you're literally just like looking through a pair of goggles at a picture. Like mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, but that was entertainment. That was entertainment at the time. And that was not just shit on that. I'm just saying like. That was literally all it was. But at the time, that was a huge fucking deal. I mean, that's kind of like Instagram, but it's just one picture. You have to wait a few days to get a new one. Yeah, and you have to, like, walk across town to go look in a box and go, ooh, that was neat, and then you leave. Yep. But 1859 saw the rise of glass plate negatives, which made double images possible, and the rise of, quote-unquote, spirits regularly appearing in photographs. Um, because you weren't just taking the one picture on the piece of silver, which is what you were doing with a dagger type, mm-hmm. um, but you were taking it on a piece of glass and then making the print from the glass, which meant you could put two different print pieces of glass yes. over a print. So that's kind of how superimposing was born, right? Mm-hmm. So the first picture I'm going to show you is the ghost in the stereoscope from um, a stereo view card that was created by the London Stereoscopic Company. So these are people that were telling people, like, ooh, like... This is art. Because of science and art, (laughs) this is how we were able to make a transparent person in this picture. So I'm going to hand it over to you so you can see. And it's the same picture twice because Mm -hmm. the idea is, you know, you're looking through goggles at this picture. But you can see there's, like, a figure who looks like a sheet, like they're, like, transparent, and there's a lady in the kitchen going, whoa! Right. And they were like, look at the marvels of science that we were able to make this image using photography. And then were people like, it's real. Right. There are people who like don't understand. And there are people who understand but explained. <laughs> but that was how a person on purpose was like, I invented this technique that you can make things look like they're half invisible in a picture. Yeah. So by the 1880s, more people had cameras. And what do you know? More spirit photography <laughs> showed up. So this is just like the first generation Photoshop. Kind of, yeah. Sure, yes. That's a great way to put it. Right? Because yeah. they're just like fucking around and then being like, no, this is totally real. I didn't fucking Photoshop this. Now, the first people, I didn't spirit the shop first this. people who did it were like, look how cool this is that, uh, that a person could yeah. do this. It was used in a way that like, isn't this the, a marvel of science? But Photoshop my grandma in with a ghost. Right. But there's not, you know, 
it's not like there's the internet. So it's not like people everywhere were familiar with this technology. So this could be very easily like somebody could see this and be like, whoa, that's a picture of a ghost without the context of seeing it where somebody was like, look at this thing that we made. So like everything that's posted on Facebook that's posed as news facts. Girl. So everything's just spirit photography. American jewelry engraver and amateur photographer William Mumler Here come the wills. Captured a photo of himself with his 12 years deceased cousin that caused a media sensation. He was like, there's this picture of me and my my cousin wasn't there, but I took this picture and now he's there. My cousin has been dead for 12 years. And people were like, oh my God, look at this. Because again, at the time, no, they didn't, they didn't know. It's not like, you know, we got ghost hunters. Like, look at this picture. You see this blurry thing? It's a ghost. People were, people were like, holy shit. That's I've, a ghost. I've never seen anything like this in my life. That's a fucking ghost. Okay. So... He left behind his job as a jewelry engraver to become a full-time spirit photographer. Yeah, he did. Follow your dreams. He set up a business as a spirit photogenic medium in New York and Boston. So was he like, I can call the ghosts and the ghosts will come in and get their... Photographer to the star ghosts. Like, he was like, I take care of all the ghosts. And so, like I said, he's uh, set up in New York and Boston, and serving primarily his clientele were people who lost people in the Civil War. Mm. So they would come to him and be like, I want to, you know, see my William again. (laughs) Not you, William. (laughs) Not you. My William. My William. And he was like, yeah, great. Let's take a picture. And oh, my God, there's William. So... One of his most famous pictures is a picture that he took of Mary Todd Lincoln Mm -hmm. with Abraham Lincoln's spirit behind her. So again, I'm going to hand this this picture to you so you can take a good look at it. Let's see what this man did. So, and it's pretty clear there there is something or someone in this picture if this is what you were looking at, taking it at face sure, value. Sure, yeah. You're like, right? oh, there he is. That is Abraham Lincoln with his hands on Mary Todd Lincoln's shoulders. There and this he is. is a photograph. This yep. is a photo, the real photograph. That there's factual evidence. Yes. I see it with my own eyes. So people were like, holy shit. That is Abraham Lincoln right there with Mary Todd. He is with her. That is definitive proof. Oh my Go God. Go surreal. Go surreal. Abraham Lincoln is there. He's with his wife, Mary Todd, the very same. So in reality, these images were created through what we know now is double exposure, Mm -hmm. right? So the piece was exposed twice to an image of a person or of Abraham Lincoln or Mm -hmm. whoever, and And then then also exposed, like, for a real amount of time, the amount of time it was supposed to be exposed, of the person they were taking a picture of. Um, Which is why, like, the person, right, she is very much in the picture and he's like a cloudy Super figure light. behind yeah. her, right? But it is Abraham Lincoln. You're like, that's Abraham Lincoln with his hands on Mary Todd's shoulders. That's him. I seen it. Okay. So there were many people who were like, this is bullshit. This man is bullshit. He had a lot of people who were naysayers. And one of his most famous critics was P.T. Barnum. Are you familiar with P.T. Barnum? Of Barnum and Bailey Circus? Yes. Of course I'm familiar with P.T. Barnum. Also the... I believe the figure of the greatest showman, I think, is about P.T. Barnum. I think you're right. Which I haven't I seen never it. saw it. Right, I didn't see it. But yes, P.T. Barnum was a famous um, circus person. And he's also the person that kind of invented the, like, 
<laughs> come see the mermaid. Like, and it's a person with a fishtail. Or like, come see the world's tiniest soldier man. It's yeah. a real living man. And it's like a four-year-old boy yeah. and a tiny a tiny, tiny uniform. Yeah, now, people would be like, you're a con man yourself, P.T. Barnum. So why are you trying to blow up this man? This <laughs> man's spot. Right. But P.T. Barnum He's would... like, this is my town. P.T. Barnum would argue that, like, maybe he used deceptive advertising, but people were always satisfied with what they were getting. Like, people always came to his shows and had a good time. If you learn something, it's your own, it's fault. Your own fault. It was a dime museum. Primarily, and now this is fair, his biggest concern with Mumler was that William Mumler, he felt, was preying on people, people who lost their family in the war. Right. He was yeah. preying on people who were grieving and giving them this false hope, this false sense of, like, you're going to be reunited with this person in this picture or whatever, right? And I'm just showing him a mermaid. He's so. like, right. He's like, okay, so it wasn't a mermaid that was born a mermaid. But they're seeing a lady with a fishtail, and they're having a good time, and they're going and telling all their friends about it. That's how he would argue, like, his work is different, right? So he was one of the most outspoken critics of William Mumler at the time. And ultimately, William Mumler was charged with fraud in 1869. Huh. P.T. Barnum testified against him in the trial. Ooh, scandal. One piece of evidence was that one of the people, one of the, like, spirits that was in one of his pictures for someone was a person who was still alive. And they're like, that spirit is, you know, Joe from down the street. This is Joe. He's still very much alive. How did he show up in your thing if he's... In your dead thing. If he's a spirit. Barnum also accused him of breaking into people's homes to steal photos of their late relatives so that he could have a picture a of double. them to superimpose, right, to put into the picture. I mean, he's dedicated. Ultimately, though, even with the evidence at hand, Mumler was acquitted. Hmm. Because they couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he had done this on purpose. Because really and truly... Like I said, it could happen from an accident. So this could happen from just not cleaning the equipment properly. You could have these weird filmy. Sure. You know what I mean? Now that Abraham Lincoln one was like, and that's be like, that's Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Right. But ultimately the argument was that like, if, if that was what was happening with these pictures, that was an accident. And he never intended to do anything like that on purpose. If anything, he just had, he just wasn't cleaning his camera equipment properly. Wow. He had a good defense lawyer. Right, 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 right. He was acquitted. Um, however, his career never fully recovered. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would hope so. Uh, and he ended up dying in 1884. Um, well, sorry. Did he get his picture afterward? <laughs> Who was he standing behind? B.T. So, Barnum. <laughs> then the next big guy in the picture was a guy named William Hope. He was a carpenter who turned paranormal investigator after producing his first spirit image in 1905. And he formed what he called the Crew Circle Spiritualist Group. So he had some famous fans, including a scientist or and physicist named William Crookes. And the author, or Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle, who, who did Sherlock Holmes. Yes, I was going to say, who very famously is the creator of Sherlock Holmes. So is this, is is uh, Mr. Hope, good old Hope, he's doing this as a serious, like, I'm investigating and capturing spirit photography? Yes. Okay. That's the way that he's putting it forward. But okay. he's also taking pictures of people with, you know. He's double imposing shit. He's also superimposing shit. Got it. 
But he had really famous fans. And like I said, uh, so William Crooks was one of them. And a really, really big one is Arthur Conan Doyle. Because he was like a big advocate for William Hope. And he was like, this dude is legit. Okay. He just wrote Sherlock Holmes. He wasn't Sherlock Holmes. William Hope's biggest critic at the time, because they all had to have their enemy. And at this time, P.T. Barnum was dead. So his biggest critic was Harry Houdini. Which I... I love the drama. I love the drama. Don't you live for the drama? I love the for the drama within this community. Within this, like, right, with this really specific, like, illusionist, paranormal community. Like, the beef between people. I'm into it. So, again, Harry Houdini like, was Can you imagine like, being somewhere and just, like, being at a cocktail party and someone's like, oh, you know what we went and we saw last Thursday evening? Harry Houdini's latest show. Can you imagine he's so good and someone else just being like, man, fuck Harry Houdini. Houdini. Oh, so uh, so what? He got out of a pit upside down when he was straight jacketed. You know underwater. what else he is? A Boring. liar. Um, so Harold Houdini or Harry Houdini was like a huge critic of William Hope. Again, you should I mean, I mean, I assume a lot of you know who Harry Houdini is, but Harry Houdini was like an escape artist uh, and an illusionist. But he also was really into, like, debunking frauds. Because he was like, yeah, you're going to watch me escape from this straitjacket underwater. But I'm really in a straitjacket underwater. I'm actually getting out of it. (laughs) Like, but that guy, like, that person's full of shit. And it makes me think of um, Penn & Teller's show Bullshit. I don't know if you ever saw that. But Penn & Teller had a show on, I think it was Showtime or HBO, where they were, like, debunking stuff. And it's funny because they're famous. They're magicians. Like, magicians. They're illusionists. Right. So I love the idea of people being like, no, like, my illusions like, are fucking cool and real. And that person's full of shit. I think that's fucking fascinating. <laughs> so same. He was like, William Hope, like, preys on these people who are, like, just looking for some meaning, looking some connection to their mm-hmm. loved ones. Like, he's full of shit. I'm the real deal. <laughs> Don't go see his show. Come and see my show. I don't know if you know how Harry Houdini died um, because it's a little confusion, but he basically was telling somebody about how, like, he knew how to, like, take a punch in the stomach. Like, if he prepared himself a certain way, you could punch him a bunch of times and it, like, wouldn't affect him. And this guy was like, oh, yeah? Boof, 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 boof. Um, And Harry Houdini was sitting down at the time, and he was like, dude, stop, 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 stop. Because he wasn't prepared for that dude to just pummel him in the fucking stomach. Um, Ultimately, he died like two or three days later of appendicitis. And they don't know if the two were related. So they don't know if like the punching caused something or if he had appendicitis and he didn't realize that's what it was because he thought he was just recovering from getting punched a bunch of times. That blows. Doesn't that suck? That sucks. Right. So, like, and when he, uh, when they did an autopsy, right, they couldn't really determine which one it was. They were like, I think it's the appendicitis, but, like, maybe he didn't notice because he got punched and he was like, I think I'm just in a lot of pain because I got punched. Mm -hmm. But he died of appendicitis. Wow. Um, I bring that up (laughs) because you'll hear why in a minute. Because the guy who punched him was William Hope. (laughs) No. Not quite. Not quite. So... There was a guy named Harry Price who worked with the Society of Psychical Research, which is a difficult word to say. Psychical. 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 He was determined to expose William Hope as a fraud. And he was like, I'm 
now he is like, I'm a real paranormal investigator and I believe in shit, but like, I also want to call out bullshit. I believe in real spirituals so much that I want to like, make sure you're not following anybody who's full of shit. And this guy, William Hope is full of shit. He's full of shit. So he worked to expose William Hope as a fraud multiple times. (laughs) And people were still eating William Hope shit up. One of those people was Arthur Conan Doyle. I love it. Arthur Conan Doyle was so pissed off about all the work that Harry Price was doing to kind of debunk uh, William Hope that he himself, um, who was also a member of the Society of Psychical Research, he led a mass exodus of 84 members to leave the group because he believed that the work that Harry Price and the societal group was doing was actually opposing spiritualism. Drama! Drama. So he's like, you're doing all this work to, like, to like bring out other spiritualists like you should if you believe in spiritualism you should be like helping the cause you shouldn't be like debunking people within the shit no right that was his that's really funny he also owned the lab that harry price was working out of and evicted harry price from the laboratory yeah he did yes he did threw his shit on the curb and he said that if price persisted to write sewage about spiritualists he would meet the same fate as his friend, Harry Houdini. Ooh! Wow! Doyle went so far as to accuse Harry Price and the um, Society for Psychical Research of creating a conspiracy to frame William Hope. Despite this controversy... Hope still had a pretty thriving career until his death in 1933. Well, you know what they say, all press is good press. <laughs> so there is um, a person who, you know, studies <laughs> this kind of shit. You mean a drama historian? A drama historian. Drum historian. Um, named Massimo Polidoro. And he has written, The case of William Hope and his crew circle deserves to be remembered today because it shows that it is practically impossible and futile to try to convince someone who wants to believe, even in the face of quite convincing contrary evidence. And, and if aren't we seeing up, that today? Right, if that isn't still relevant Ooh. to this day. Unfortunately, more people are dying today than the magician's feud. Now, obviously, today we still see people claiming to have pictures of ghosts. We've talked about orbs. We've talked about orbs aren't real ghosts. Filters and light, right? All these little things like ghosts. All the like. the refractions of light on like dust particles and people will be like that's a person it's just really difficult to believe that in this day and time with all the advances we have in technology from the dagger type to the iphone camera that as much of that technology has advanced our ability to take a picture of a ghost (laughs) has not (laughs) Um, most ghost photos fall into one of two categories i like this They are either hazy, indistinct shapes that look human or orbs that are usually white and round, and both can easily be purposefully or accidentally created. You never know. There's some of them out there. You never know. There's some of them out there. So that is my story about the two Williams who pioneered spirit photography. 
And I hope you found this story to be entertaining. And yeah, the drama within the paranormal groups at the time, I just thought was like, so fascinating where it's like you maybe have never heard of this photographer but like he was really big at the time you know who fucking hated him the guy who invented the circus that guy hated this he dude hate, he testified against him in, in court. court then there's this other guy who was I really, love really Arthur Conan Doyle was like you know what screw your society and I'm taking half your members with me yes he was like you say you're spiritualist but here you are trying to fucking take down a spiritualist fuck you and your society and Here's look at all I these people I'm taking that's um, elementary, I, my dear Watson. I am Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle. Doyle. So yeah, those are the Love two it. Williams who pioneered spirit photography My and spiritual their episode. Villain, their famous like feuds, arch nemeses, and also weird fans. I love it. Spirits, spirits in this episode. Spirits, man. That's it. I love it. The ghost. Ghostly <laughs> episode. I was trying to think of another pun with like spirits and spirits like liquor, but it didn't, we're just drinking water. I, when I do, um, when I do like uh, carnival barking for the speakeasy, mm-hmm. I like to be like, why don't you come on in and go to the Ouija board and you'll see some spirits and then go to the bar and you'll see some spirits. But I'm bum. You can catch me doing that at the Again. speakeasy. At Halloween nights at Eastern State. Did you love that? She's going to do it a whole bunch more. Oh, you can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Of course, there are so many ways you can support our show. Our favorite way is by giving us money. Money. Every month on Patreon. If you can subscribe, we've got $1, $5, $10, $15 tiers, all with really, really awesome, incredible what are they called? Rewards? Uh, it's Gifts. called something specific. Something. And off the you know, top of my head, I don't know. Come and get it. Why don't you find out? And then otherwise, you can also <laughs> buy merch from our website, deadtimestories.com. And naturally, there are also totally free ways you can support our show. Like, like emailing us. Our, oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> like, like emailing leaving- us. <laughs> <laughs> stories with a Z at gmail.com. Or by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. Do like our new friend Kyle and go and start from the fucking beginning. Well, I mean, if you've already gotten to the end of this episode, you already did that, I presume. We hope. But again, help us out. Five-star review. Tell the people that you love us, why you love us. Help us get on those algorithms and get people checking us out. Tell your friends. And if all else fails, start it over from the beginning again. Yeah. Episode you know, one, Grumble Thorpe. We know you got the bit. time. We all got the time, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank listening. Thank you so much. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.